this week. Diana Kelly from Camp Cal Now joins us to share six principles for safe camping and outdoor travel. Plus, an RV is stuck for a week on the side of a mountain. This is the RV Miles Podcast. RV Miles is sponsored by L.L. Bean dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays. Every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome to episode 201 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. As we talked about last time, and I think the time before, we are officially out of our pioneer we're out of an rv in general for the next several weeks as we anxiously await for our our new rv to finish being built so we are we are camping out at my parents house here my my boyhood home <laughs> we are, and we're shaking it up a little bit this week too we're standing yeah. while we record this yeah for those of you listening it must be a whole different experience oh, i think that it started and they went whoa <laughs> Jason and Abby are standing up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a good time here. Uh, we have to make a little bit of a correction from last week. Yeah, let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> we were informed by a few people that we did make a mistake, and we do feel that we should own that and correct that. And that is that we said Galesburg, Illinois does not have any ERs. That is not correct. They absolutely have medical care in the Galesburg area. We just didn't articulate ourselves well enough and tack on that in our network. We're saying we a lot here. Don't you dare throw me under this bus right now. (laughs) I've already been under it, rolled over a few times. (laughs) We're a team, mister. (laughs) Well, we're we're enjoying ourselves here in the Quad Cities area on the Iowa-Illinois border, and we're going to be heading to Kansas City soon for the 4th of July holiday, which is shaping up to be a very busy travel holiday back to pre-pandemic travel records, according to AAA, that a lot of people will be out on the road. Yeah. In fact, they're saying that this is going to be the second highest travel holiday for 4th of July this year, only about 1.2 million people less than what traveled in the record, which was 2019. So we are slowly making our way back. And of the, I think, 47.7 million people that they said are going to be on the road for Independence Day holiday, 42.3 of those are going to be in a car or an RV. Shut the front door. (laughs) Shut that RV door. It's going to be busy. In fact, they were also saying when it comes to congestion in major cities, San Francisco and Boston will see a 330% increase in delays on the road. Well, uh, (laughs) there's one RVer that was delayed for a week and uh, for quite a different reason. A gentleman was driving his 38-foot motorhome 
pulling a uh, a car dolly with a sedan on the back of it, which is basically <laughs> our exact setup when we had our bus. Right? I feel like you're about to set me up here for a story about Bussy. No. This whole being up in a mountain road with a bus sounds very familiar. So he was trying to get to a campground traveling up a road called Lime Creek Road, which is sort of one of those gravel mountain roads that uh, have very steep drop-offs, no, shul- no shoulders, no guardrails, anything like that. So a road he shouldn't have <laughs> Something that been a, motor- on. a motorhome of that size should never have been on. Yes. And this is off of the Million Dollar Highway, which is in between Durango and Uray in, in Colorado, which is a road that I wouldn't take that rig on itself. Oh, no. But this is it, an offshoot oh, no. up the mountain from that. And his driver's side rear dually wheels, single-laden road, went off the the left side off the edge of the road um steep drop off you know mountainside drop off right there and what saved him basically was the fact that when those wheels dropped the rear end bottomed out so he was just stuck there couldn't move um and it took a week for a tow truck to be able to come up there and clear him out there and it blocked traffic on that road and he camped outside of his RV because he didn't want to stay inside oh, of it for he obvious was, reasons. He was afraid he might fall off the mountain. Yeah, he didn't even think. <laughs> I guess if he took his car off the dolly, people could have gotten around him. Wow. But he refused to do that because he thought that was kind of anchoring his RV from rolling off the hill. So that's he, a, he's free now. But That's a tough conversation to have with people who would like to get by. Yeah, and uh, kudos to the tow truck driver who was able to pull them down from that spot. I'd like wow. to see some video of <laughs> that, of them getting that down the mountain. <laughs> wow. We've uh, we've officially announced our, our meetup that's happening this fall in Camp Verde, Arizona. Verde, Verde, Verde. <laughs> Camp Verde, Arizona yes. at the Verde Ranch RV Resort, which was where we spent the beginning of the pandemic and had a wonderful time there and couldn't have been more lucky to be sheltering in place in in that spot so they're having us back for uh, an informal get together maybe 18 rigs or so yeah so the event is taking place uh november 3rd through the 7th and we do have a very limited number of spots available 18 total that is because we've never done this before and so we wanted to keep it very very small not get in over our heads so we will be announcing all of the details including how to sign up here very very soon so if this is something you're interested in just head over to rvmiles.com click on that contact us up there in the menu bar you're going to see the mailing list just join that and that is how we are going to officially announce all of the details but mark your calendars now November 3rd through the 7th. And please don't call the resort yet because no. we have not we have not really is not nope. available for you to reserve yet, uh, but we'll release the details through email and it's going to be you're just going to be paying for the campsite. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a discounted rate for the campsite. It's a free event. Uh, we're just hanging out, maybe visiting a few National Park Service sites and stuff in the area. Yeah, there will be no talks. Uh, there won't be anything really big uh, in regards to organized events. Jason really wants to do a live taping of the podcast. So I think that we're going to be doing that. I think I have been roped into doing that. And then we're also looking to maybe take a day trip over to a couple of the national parks that are nearby. And then some very, very informal get together kind of cookout, bring your own food type 
things. So, but really, it's just so that we can have an opportunity to meet a few of you who have really been so instrumental in allowing us to do what we love to do. We have a great interview with Diana Kelly from Camp Cal now, who's going to talk about lots of ways that we can safely travel. You know, there's a lot of people that are new to RVing, new to camping, but there's just more people doing it. And the more people that are doing it, the more campgrounds are are, are having a hard time keeping up with it, both private and uh, state and federal. And Diana's going to share with us some tips that we can do to help ease up the stress on our campgrounds and our public lands in just a moment. Are your tires ready for your next big summer trip? FMCA has a tire savings program for its members. It's one of the most popular benefits of the largest nonprofit RV club in the world. Members save literally hundreds per tire. Purchase Michelin, Continental, and hand-cooked tires for passenger vehicles, light trucks, and RVs. You can visit FMCA.com to get tire quotes and lists of participating tire dealers. This benefit comes in especially handy when a tire emergency occurs when you're traveling in your RV or simply when it's time to replace your tires. FMCA is running a membership promotion right now that's $60 for one year of membership or $50 for one year of renewal. With the code one year, you can save 30% instantly. But hurry, this is only a limited time offer and ends July 6th at midnight. RV season is here, but the change of seasons also brings rain, mud, pollen, and other elements that you have to waste your time cleaning, or worse, that can end up damaging your vehicle. Whether you own a motorhome, a travel trailer, or a truck camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help you protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. EmpireCovers.com offers high-quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect. Every cover comes with a free warranty to guarantee that it remains durable over time. If you're not in need of a full cover, Empire has just launched a line of RV rooftop covers that keep the roof of your RV clean and protect it from UV rays. RV Miles listeners can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off their entire order. Visit EmpireCovers.com slash RVMiles or use the promo code RVMiles at checkout. Record numbers of first-time campers are hitting the campgrounds this year, and that's causing all sorts of different impacts on the land and the environment. And that's prompted the California Association of Campgrounds, Camp Cal Now, or CampCalifornia.com, to develop six outdoor principles to ensure that everyone has a safe and enjoyable trip in the nature, whether it's a day hike, a multi-day camping trip. Today, I have Diana Kelly from camp-california.com on the line to talk about those six different principles that they've enumerated. Diana, welcome. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for being here. How is, how is this year going so far in California campgrounds? Um, very busy busy, but we are seeing a shift, a little bit of a change. And um, I think it's going to lighten up um, the campground slightly over last year. You know, 2020, um, there wasn't anything else to do. Disneyland wasn't open, you know, your beaches were closed in a lot of places, especially here in California. You know, nobody knew, could we go to the beach? Can I go to a state? You know, there was a lot of amb ambiguity over what um, people were allowed to do, but what they knew what they could do was go to the mountains, go to a campground. And so they kind of went in droves. And I think this year people are starting to disperse a little bit. So, um, there's a little bit lighter footprint, but I don't think that all these new campers 
mean to, you know, kind of disregard basic outdoor principles, I think they're just uneducated. So part of these outdoor principles was to help educate all of these new um, people that are coming to our outdoor spaces. Awesome. Well, let's just dive into the first one. The first one is be prepared and have a backup plan. Uh, <laughs> being flexible is a big deal right now, isn't it? It's huge. Yes. So we saw a lot of frustration with people getting up and thinking, great, I'm going to go to the lake, right? And getting there only to realize that there had been a line since 530 and they were only letting in a certain number of people. And, you know, you've got your kids all packed up, you're in the car, and now you can't get in or you're waiting in line for hours. So a really important step here is to actually have a backup plan, something else, someplace else you can go to if that first spot doesn't work out, if there is a line, if there's a limitation on number of people, if you don't want to wait. Um, and then the other thing to remember, too, is that you need to make sure the activity is right for your skill level. So we did find people that went out to areas because you know they kept hearing about it on Facebook or something only to find out that no, their kids weren't gonna be able to do that hike or there were a lot of stairs and they can't do stairs or something like that. So it's important to um, make sure that, that whatever plan you're making fits your skill level and that you have a secondary plan in case it doesn't work out. Yeah, I think a lot of people that head out into nature and outdoors, they don't want to have a plan. They sort of wanna, just go with the flow. And that's just getting harder and harder to do with campground availability, with busy trails, but also just makes your vacation more enjoyable if you know that you're going to be doing fun things. It does. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the last, this, you know, last year and probably this year, we kind of have to pull back on that spontaneity a little bit, you know, um, and even campgrounds are getting so impacted. I mean, I can remember you know, when my kids were little, we would just go on Friday, you know, without a reservation. And that's just not something you can do anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, the second one is be mindful of your actions and your impact. How are people impacting the environment? And it's not just the environment. It's also, you know, people around them. So what are you bringing to that situation that maybe could be impacting somebody else? You know, one thing we saw last year were um, a lot of consumers, you know, and, and rightly so, everyone was frustrated, right? We were all frustrated. We were tired of being told to wear a mask or go a certain direction in a grocery store. And then you get to that outdoor space where you kind of want to forget about it. And somebody's telling you, you know, you have to park here or yes, you have to put your mask on or you have to pick up your garbage. And um, consumers were taking it out on those employees, on park employees. And I had several situations where state and national parks told me they were maybe one employee away from having to close that area because employees were quitting because they were like, we're tired of people yelling at us. And so your actions can have a, a, a bigger impact. If you, frust if you upset that employee, they quit. Now they've got to close that whole area altogether because they don't have enough people to maintain it. Um, but then also think about how your actions, you know, impact the environment, how they impact others around you, you know, maybe they're imp you're impacting other consumers. So it's really important to just pay attention to, you know, be mindful of yourself and, and what type of, um, what type of impact you're having on different areas. Yeah, and leave no trace and, and, and make it cleaner than you found it is always uh, our favorite thing to say. Well, that leads us right into take only photos. They last forever what can people do to, um, you know, make sure that they're 
they're taking care of the the natural wonders of the world the animals out there the uh the plant life well you know it's it's very tempting to go out into nature and to be on a hike and want to pick the flower or pick up the cool rock or you know take something but if everybody came along and took something right then there wouldn't be anything you know we saw that here at um, glass beach in fort bragg you know, it was really cool and super pretty, but everybody came and took the glass and now it's really just a beach. So, you know, <laughs> do you even call it glass beach anymore, right? So it's important to, um, to remember that the person coming behind you wants to have the same experience you did. And so if you're picking all the flowers along the way, then that person behind you doesn't get that same experience. So it's much better to take some photos, um, use a, there's an app called Seek, S-E-E-K, that's super cool for identifying plants and, and flowers. You know, use your Seek app and, and earn some badges for, you know, collecting different pictures of different types of flora and fauna rather than picking it and taking it home with you. That's going to include leaving things behind like uh, painted rocks and stuff like that as well, but also uh, your, your pet droppings. And that's the next one, clean up after yourself and your pet. Yeah, um, and this is a big one for me. And um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently who's an avid, avid hiker and backpacker. And I made a comment when we were on the trail about people leaving their dog waste bags. And she said, well, I do that all the time and I pick it up on my way back. And I just about lost it because <laughs> I'm like, well, if I come down the trail after you, again, I'm not getting that same experience. I don't want to see your dog poop bag on the trail. <laughs> exactly. So if, if you, yeah, right. Because by the time I come walking along, there could be 20 dog poop bags. It, it's like a, it's like and a Christmas I, tree of, of dog poop bags. I, I've seen that so many times and I hate it oh, too. <laughs> so many times, you know, so you have to be mindful of that. If you are going to put your dog poop in a dog poop bag, then you have to take it with you. You know, there's also the ability to keep a little shovel with you and, bury it, dig a hole, kick it into the hole, bury it. Um, and that provides a better experience for everyone coming down the trail behind you. Um, but it's super important to, you know, be mindful of the fact that there are people coming down the trail behind you. Yeah. Um, and one other thing with your pets as well is that if you have a dog that is maybe a little aggressive, you're going to need to make sure you're picking out spaces where you have safe space around you for your dog. I saw one lady almost get dragged off a cliff because her dog went after somebody else and there wasn't space for both the dogs to be on the trail like that. So if you do have a dog that maybe is a little bit aggressive, make sure that you're going somewhere where there's, you can create a safe space around you and that dog. Yeah, those leashes that have a, a handle at the end and then another one that's just, you know, about two feet away from the dog so you can hold them real close are really nice so when people can, you know, keep them short too close to them when you're passing a lot of people and especially other dogs on the trail. Yes, you know, and then when it comes to, to garbage, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, taking care of our pet, but the same goes for us as humans. Um, we saw a tremendous amount of just you know, garbage last year, like 
piles and piles and piles of garbage. So again, if you are going to pack it in, make sure you have the ability to pack it out. There, in a lot of cases, nobody else is there to pick up your trash after you. So take a garbage bag with you, throw it in the back of your car. When you get to a dumpster somewhere or a garbage can, you know, throw it out at that time. But very, very important not to leave it behind. We don't, parks don't have the staff to run around and pick up every little piece of trash. And um, that impact could end up closing places. So if you're gonna take it with you, make sure you have the ability to take it back out. Practice responsible geotagging. The advent of social media has allowed us to all find some wonderful places that were kind of a little bit secretive in the past. How can we be more responsible about sharing uh, these wonderful places and not making them overrun? So there's kind of a twofold here, right? So on one hand, when we do that, we send, you know, a million people to a space that maybe can't accommodate that number of people without it really damaging that environment. Um, and the other piece of that is a lot of times people will blindly follow those geotags into a situation that is well beyond their means and into places that they shouldn't be. A better way to do it, if you, if you wanna post your pictures, you know, say, hey, I had a great day in the Tahoe National Forest today. Um, and it doesn't necessarily be the exact spot that you landed. And then if you've got some friends that really wanna know, hey, where was that? That was super cool. You know, you can ping them offline. It just doesn't have to be in your post because what will happen is that trail will become so impacted that um, it ruins the experience for everyone. You know, it changes up the environment over there. We saw that when uh, whoever it was installed that art installation, if you want to call it that, that the, the, there was like a, a metal pillar that got stuck mm -hmm. out in the middle of, uh, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was found by public officials and they, they didn't say exactly where it was, but still people went out looking for it. And when they did, there was lots of situations where there were rescues because people got challenged finding this very, very remote location. And it, it looks beautiful and it sounds fun, but not everybody is equipped to get out there and go find these things. And so it's important to be aware of that when we're doing our tagging. It, we're not saying don't post. We're not saying, you know, don't share your experience. Um, just be a little bit more responsible with it. The final one is about saving the trees and burning wood responsibly. Uh, how can we make sure that we're not transmitting bugs everywhere and we're not starting forest fires? Yeah, okay, so this is going to be a big one this year, right? Because we've got a really, really difficult situation going on. When we move firewood, from one location to another, we're taking the pests that are in one area and actually moving them to a different area that might be harmful or impact that environment. And um, oftentimes I hear, well, you know, I'm gonna burn it. The minute you set it down outside your campfire ring, those pests scurry and they go and they take off and they start infiltrating the, the trees in the environment that might be harmful to them. So it's really important to try to buy where you burn. Uh, Firewood Scout actually is a website and it will allow you to find firewood in the area that you're going. So that's a great way to do it. Um, another really cool product is Goodwood and it's a wonderful little 
perfectly contained box that you can use to start a fire with and it's clean and it doesn't have pests in it. Let me add that, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people think that moving firewood, yeah, that's just one way we can protect from moving pests across the country and these bugs that infiltrate and kill just millions and millions of trees. It, it sounds like it's just a, you know a small way we can help, but they've traced so often these pests moving to specifically firewood. It is the number one cause. It's not just one little thing. It, it is what we are doing to kill trees is moving firewood across the country. So it's a really big thing. And, you know, you don't think about it when you're packing up your car, you know, to go camping. I get it. You buy firewood at the store, you throw it in the back of your car and you're not thinking about it. But it does have a very serious impact on, on our environment. What about what, where to burn and when you can burn and, and putting your fire out and all that? Very, very um, serious situation we have this year, you know, especially here in California, um, where we have high, high, high fire danger. So it's important to know, do you need a burn permit for the area that you're going to? Um, in most cases, like some of the national forests, you won't be able to have a fire this year. Um, so it's important to check that, check Cal Fire, check your, you know, the local fire agency for the state that you're in to see what is allowed. Check the campground that you're going to. And then when you're doing that, actually check around your spot. If you can build a fire, you know, what hazards are around there? Is there a tree hanging over that could catch a spark? You know, something like that. And make sure your fire is all the way out. You know, when we say dead out, we really mean dead out. So it means pouring water on it. It means taking a stick, stirring it up, pouring more water on it. I can't count the number of times that, you know, I've seen somebody even do some of those steps and then get up in the morning and you still see that a little stream of smoke, you know, coming out of the fire. So very important to, um, when they say dead out, they mean dead, dead out. Yeah, they can restart really easily. And you also want to check the, the weather conditions and see if you're under a red flag warning. Your, your, your fire might be legal one night and not legal the next night, and you could be causing a serious problem. Diana, tell us uh, about finding a campground in California and your organization. So um, Camp Cal Now is the association that represents all the RV parks and campgrounds in California, but we are also Camp California. So we love to promote the outdoor spaces to the camping consumer. Um, we give them lots of tips and tricks on what to do and where to go and how to get there. And we do that through a couple of things. One is camp-california.com, our campground search finder website. And we also have the Camper's Guide to California. And you can pick this up at all Camping World locations. It has really fun stories in it, road trip ideas. As a matter of fact, if you are in California this year and traveling the coast, we have our California Coastal Challenge. So you can win some really cool prizes by staying at certain parks along the way, along your route. We have really, really cool um, outdoor principle stickers that go along with all of these outdoor principles. So if you would like to receive your own set of outdoor principle stickers and one of the camping guides to California, please just text outdoor to 33777 and we'll be sure to get those out to you right away. Diana Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. These were really great tips and I uh, really appreciate it. We'll put a link to all of your social media and your website in the show notes for this episode and uh, hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. 
RV pet parents. If you're looking for a trusted and comprehensive way to keep your loved ones safe while you're out exploring, then you need to check out the RV pet temperature monitor from Waggle. We all know an RV can quickly become an unsafe place for pets, especially in extreme heat. With Waggle, you'll get real-time temperature updates, RV power loss, and back-on alerts, and more, all designed to help you take quick, life-saving action. Plus, Waggle comes with built-in Verizon 4G cellular, so there's no need for Wi-Fi, and you don't have to be a Verizon user for it to work. Waggle RV Pet Monitor also comes with GPS to help you pinpoint your RV in a crowded parking space, track your location with your smartphone, and so much more. Head over to rvmiles.com slash waggle for the link and coupon code to save 40% off your Waggle Pet Monitor order. That's rvmiles.com slash W-A-G-G-L-E to save 40% off your Waggle RV Pet Temperature Monitor today. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV. And the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector, made by Hughes Auto Farmers, beats the competition with field-replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or a spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small, affordable part you can replace yourself. They'll even give you a free surge module in the first two years and now have a limited lifetime warranty. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com. It is now time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank goes to all of the restaurants here in all of our hometowns and how much we eat at them when we come back into town. <laughs> we're always uh, <laughs> we're always getting the the friendly childhood food that we loved so much, and uh, or just that good old Midwestern food that we grew up with it, that we it's crave. All full of cheese. <laughs> oh, it's so bad for us. And now that we have a family member that owns one of your favorite places, a Taco John's, yeah. we do feel like we have to go there and. <laughs> support them. We do. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be an interesting four or five weeks. This may be where we officially put on the quarantine 15. Oh, I think I already put that on, but (laughs) 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 on that note, (laughs) (laughs) what's in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank goes to Disney World and Disneyland because starting in July, we are going to be able to look to the skies again because fireworks are back in the park. So it's July 1st for Disney World, 4th of July for Disneyland. I don't know why that feels like such a momentous like way to sort of come close to the end of this pandemic. It just is another sign that we are doing what needs to be done to get back to what we remember sort of our lives being like before the start of 2020. And it's just one more thing for me. That means our Disney trip will be a little bit more normal when we go there in January. I just need that dining plan and then I'm going to be great. All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? I was watching a video on the Creativity RV YouTube channel. Robin over at Creativity RV was talking about visiting a private campground outside of Reno, Nevada. Now, Robin spends the vast majority of her time, and now with her her boyfriend who who has moved into the RV with her, um, boondocking. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Rarely ever visits uh, private parks, but had to because of uh, a maintenance issue that they were dealing with. And uh, they booked this park just for one night. 
And when they booked online, there were six sites available. And there was some confusion uh, when they got there. It seemed to be like there's the site that they booked was not the site they got. It was a different number. And the next day, they wanted to just book another night so that they could have you know some more time. And they go to the office, and the office says they have no sites available, right? So then they go look on the website, and there are six available. So they booked one. They were like, they didn't understand why one showed up, but they, they booked one. And the office got a little angry at them, apparently, because this campground always has six sites available on their website. She didn't say what campground it was, but I was able, I was able to suss it out and figure it out. Of course you so are. So I went, and I sure enough, <laughs> six campsites available. Um, it seems to have changed a little bit now. Sometimes they have have more. Sometimes they have less. But when I looked right after I watched that that video, there were six available. And uh, we've been noticing lately a little bit of this, like one or two sites left. And they're always the most expensive sites yes. available. Yes. There is, it seems to be, um, a little bit of this taking advantage of the FOMO that's happening, for lack of a better word, that, you know, I go to book something through a private campground and it'll say one spot left, hurry, only one spot available. And this is common. This isn't just across, you know, one state. It's all states that we've had to book in through the spring. They always seem to have one spot left and it is always the most expensive spot and it is always premium and there's going to be all these things promised. And 50% of the time, those things aren't there. 50% of the time, the amenities aren't there. Yeah, looking at you, nice wood swing that we were supposed to have at the last one. <laughs> yeah, looking at you. <laughs> and a lot of times, too, there is now these third-party booking sites that are coming into play. And they are charging a fee in order to use them. And we as yeah. the consumer are having to carry that fee. What I think is happening a lot is as as somebody who has dealt with ticketing a lot and it's this very similar thing in in the entertainment industry the live entertainment and the event industry where you're dealing with ticketing where some of the smaller businesses they want to have the online reservation thing happen because they know a lot of people want that they want to be able to go to the website any time of the day click on a site book it and be done. They don't want to call anybody. They know that these campgrounds generally have one person in the office and then they're on the phone with somebody for 20 minutes. So you're constantly getting a busy signal. So they, they know that, that this is beneficial, but when we book using those online services, generally we, as the consumers pay a service fee and that service fee usually goes directly to whoever the booking software company is right they don't charge these campgrounds like an annual fee they can but the campgrounds don't want to pay that so they they charge per order and if the campground books a site on this this system often they have to pay the fee as well so what happens is they set up the online server for you to pay when you book online but when they book over the phone say you call into the campground they don't want to run it through that system because they don't want to pay the fee. So they're they're putting it in a spreadsheet. They're writing it down in a notebook. They're doing whatever. And they sometimes don't go back in and update that system to to show the actual availability of sites, or at least it's not in real time. And sometimes that gets taken to the extreme where they just say, we're just always gonna put one or two sites up available, and then we're never gonna have to deal with it, and we're gonna make them the most expensive. And I think that's 
part of what we're seeing happening. So yeah, it, 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 the the booking over the internet has routinely become a little bit problematic for us recently. Yeah, I think I'm going to do a little experiment when we get back on the road and I'm going to start calling places because I certainly don't want us to sound like we're accusing anyone of doing anything nefarious, but it does start to get a but little... But we are. <laughs> but not but, everybody, but, but just a few campgrounds are, are being nefarious. Some of them are just maybe being a little bit lazy or, yeah. or not being clear enough. Well, I... I do believe that there is a little bit of this taking advantage of happening right now because the consistent narrative being spun is that everybody is out on the road. Everybody is camping and nobody can get a campsite that all these new campers are ruining it for the rest of us and they're taking all the campsite spots. And we have talked a little bit about that. Yes, but we have always talked about it when we have evidence in front of us to discuss that. And so this is for me right now is still a little bit of a gray area because I'm only seeing it for myself. But that said, I'm seeing it whether we are in a rural area, an urban area, a suburban area. It does seem to be a consistent pattern if I have to book online with a private campground. So I think what I'm going to do to just test my own theory is when we get back on the road, I'm going to start making some phone calls. It's not my preferred way to book because I'm no. usually doing this at 1030. It takes time. Yeah, it does take time and it takes patience, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to see what happens because I think that there are probably more campsites out there than we are being led to believe. We'll do a little compare and contrast, try both at the same time and see yeah, what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, because I, I think it's just a little sussy to me that I'm in a campground for three days where I was told there was only one spot left and the entire row I'm in stays empty the entire time I'm there. People cancel. We know that happens. But an entire row, 10 sites, they all decided not to come. Yeah, we get the problem at, at public campgrounds, which is different. They actually have a better reservation system generally. Yes. But uh, Well, they won't even let you call. <laughs> you have no choice but to utilize the reservation system. They can't. They can't fudge the numbers. But that many empty sites at a private campground when you said one when you saw one was available. That's that's concerning. Yeah, especially on a Monday through Thursday. I will link to the creativity RV video in the show notes, rvmiles.com slash two zero one. All right. Well, what is in your fresh tank? You got something in the fresh tank this week, too? Because we just spent 20 minutes talking about the black. Uh, my fresh tank is our U-Haul storage. We have a storage unit again. We had a storage unit when we first got on the road. And we tried to not have a storage unit mm -hmm. for the longest time. Uh, but then we had stuff piling at different relatives' houses. We have <laughs> been leaving stuff all across this country. We need to put it into one central location. And now. my mom sold her house and moved our stuff into storage for us, thankfully, while we were we were gone. Very um, nice. And uh, into this U-Haul storage place that is a former Kmart here. And I, my, what I'm getting at here is that the storage game has changed drastically with some of these newer storage places because this place is amazing. <laughs> you, they, have, uh, they have garages that you can drive into so that you're weather protected when you load and unload stuff all around the, the place. They have, a, they have bathrooms. It's climate controlled. It's clean. They have a place where you can drop off donation stuff right there so you don't have to worry about taking stuff elsewhere. People can, you know, grab stuff from there or then if they don't, they'll take it to donation for you. And 
everything is key card accessed, including uh, alarms on all the individual storage units. So even if someone has access to the building, which is common, you know, a storage building, usually everybody that, that is renting storage there can get into. And some of those people might, you know, steal your stuff, right? So there are there are alarms on every single individual unit and you just swipe your key card when you arrive and it disarms the alarm and you swipe it again when you leave and it arms it. It's an amazing place. I love it. Sometimes it's just the simple it's things the in things. life, right? <laughs> there it is. It really is. All right. It's time to wrap up this episode with a, a tip. Uh, we, we are doing a new thing where we're wrapping up the episodes with a tip or hack from somebody in the RV community, whether it's uh, somebody on YouTube or somebody from our Facebook group, what have you. Uh, and this tip comes from our friend Joshua over at Gander Flight. So great idea for figuring out the exact height to raise your tongue jack to on your travel trailer before you back up your truck to it without figuring it out. I'm always I'm always going up to the to the hitch and I'm like yes. pointing at the side of my my pants and then walking over to the to, to the we, truck and, and making sure that it's the right height and going back and forth. We should say that we've actually already recorded this podcast once <laughs> and we were having this discussion on the podcast that we didn't hit record on, but we just sat there and talked like we were actually doing a podcast. And one of the things we were laughing about was that this tip comes to us, what, two, three weeks after we no longer... Yeah, I no longer need it anymore. Jason's but been it, using his pant leg for two years. But it's an excellent tip about painting one chain link on your safety chain to know when it's off the ground, it's at the right height. All right, so if you've ever played magical hitch height while backing up your tow vehicle, to hook up to your trailer, you know it can be super frustrating to hop into the vehicle, out of the vehicle, in the vehicle, trying to get the right height. You know, you don't want to bring the trailer up too high, you don't want to keep it too low. So, this little quick DIY project will help you to get the right height every time for the cost of some spray paint. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to set the height of your jack. You're going to get it up high enough that you can get the ball under, you're going to put the ball under and then you're going to lower it down to the height that you want it to be at every time you hook up. So give yourself some clearance and then also look at the ground and see whichever link is touching the ground go up just a little bit more so that there's a whole chain link free of the ground so if it's halfway up go up a little bit more tape it off and spray that chain link now every time you go to raise or lower the tongue jack all you need to do is raise it so that the link that is painted is completely off the ground and since that chain link is attached to your trailer frame it's going to be the same distance every time from the point of the ground to the ball height. Raise it up so that that chain link is completely off the ground and you should have enough clearance to get under with the, the hitch as long as you're using the same tow vehicle that you set it up with every time. And while you've got the spray paint and the masking tape out, go ahead and tape off a little triangle on the top of your ball. Sometimes when you're using backup cameras on vehicles, the ball and trailer frame get lost in the shadows. If you make a little triangle right to the direct center of that ball coupler, it'll show up on the rear view camera much brighter than just the black metal. Our thanks again to Joshua at Gander Flight, and we'll link to Gander Flight's channel. But check them out on YouTube. Joshua does a whole lot of tips and tricks, not just for RVing, but 
for all sorts of maintenance uh, projects around your house and stuff. Really convenient, interesting things, and I, I really love his channel. Yeah, I think I refer to him as the Tim the Toolman Taylor <laughs> of the RV world. <laughs> all right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And hey, as we ask every single week, if you are enjoying RV Miles, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? That review has helped put RV Miles in front of thousands of new listeners. We cannot tell you how much it does for us and how much we thank you for doing it. RV Miles, of course, is all across social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. And if you would like to connect with Jason and I, please head over to the RV Miles Facebook group where you will not only find us, but 10,000 of some of the nicest RVers out there. And finally, if you're shopping Amazon this summer for anything, we would love to come with you. You can head over to amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles. You can search our store or you can go off into the Amazon world and buy, I don't know. I mean, let's give an example. If a non-RV related thing, what do you want to buy uh, right now? Lots of camera equipment. Oh my gosh. It's my, always my asked. favorite. But make sure. I'm just wanting, I'm just here for the, the organic dairy creamer. I and do you're over there with though, camera equipment. Don't do it every time. Because if you do it every time, and there's some great people out there that are doing it every time for us, but Amazon knows that, and they they, they cut those people off, and they're like, you're a family member, and you're just buying whatever. So just do it you know, sometimes when you visit Amazon, when you're buying the expensive stuff. 85% of the time. <laughs> if I have to give you a percentage, 85% of the time. All right. Thank you so much for the ways that you continue to support RV Miles. It means the world to Jason and I. We wish you the very best and happiest of travels this summer. Please be well. Please stay safe and keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. 